Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey guys, I'd like to introduce you to a new podcast that I know you're going to love. Do you like travel? Do you like picturesque locations and getting away from it all? Well, this new podcast has all that and... Murder. It's called Slaycation, and it's a darkly humorous look at murders and mysterious deaths that took place on vacation. Hosted by a true crime fanatic, her comedy writer husband, and his TV producing partner, Slaycation brings a unique perspective to chilling, thrilling, and WTF stories of vacations gone horribly wrong. From the twisted tale of Harold and Tony Henthorne, whose romantic anniversary in the Rocky Mountains ended with one of them falling off a cliff, to Angelica and Vincent, two recently engaged lovebirds whose Hudson Valley kayaking adventure ended underwater. Each episode of Slaycation will have you asking, accident or murder? But it's not just the stories that'll intrigue you. It's the discussion between a longtime married couple and business partners who happen to be Emmy-nominated TV producers. Each episode of Slaycation also includes humor, takeaway and travel tips that will keep your next vacation from being your last. If you're ready to pack your body bags, Slaycation is available on all major podcast platforms. Search for Slaycation on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Twisted News, guys. I'm Andrew, and thanks so much for tuning in. Hope you're in the mood for some creepy stories, because we got them for you today. In today's episode, we're talking about a couple of strange supernatural happenings. First up is a disturbing older event that is now being questioned for its authenticity in a very interesting way. And the second story is about a pair of young twins who have recalled horrific events that they say happened to them in a life prior. Get ready for Scary Mysteries, Twisted News. Number 1. Supernatural Event or Viral Marketing Ploy Movies, TV, documentaries, and podcasts just like this are no strangers to featuring real-life tragedies in their stories, either as sort of remakes or reenactments, or sometimes even just as source materials. Now, usually the goal of these releases is to remind the public of a specific tragedy, educate them, create awareness, or share an experience. However, in this day and age, where marketing strategies are getting more creative by the day, there are tales from the past that are now being used to sell stories or promote a brand. This is the case of this tragic story of a family that never had proper closure. And as decades pass by, it's now being questioned if it really happened at all. As the story goes, the Mabel family lived on their 13-acre property called Footlights Ranch near Salina, Texas back in the 1990s. The family consisted of couple Olivia and Travis and their son Aiden. 
On the 13th of March, 1990, seven-year-old Aiden drowned in the pond on the property. And this greatly devastated the couple, but more so Olivia. She stopped going to work and meeting family and friends. She cut herself off from everybody, including her own husband, until they finally filed for divorce in early 91. Travis moved out of the family home and moved to New England, where he soon remarried. However, the same couldn't be said for Olivia. The last time anyone had seen her in person was sometime in September of 1991. Fast forward then to 1994, at about 9 in the evening on February 27th. The police went to the Mabel house after receiving several 911 calls. Oddly though, all of them were silent no one was on the other end. They scouted the property to see if anyone was illegally occupying it, but found it empty and dusty inside. Still, though, they checked each room just to be sure. One room stood out among the rest. Unlike the majority of the house, this room was in pristine condition. They recognized it as the room of the deceased child, Aiden, which, compared to the rest of the home, seemed to have frozen in time with how tidy and well-kept it looked. In it was the decomposed body of Olivia, sitting upright in a steady rocking chair. Upon closer inspection, they also noticed the odd thing Olivia held in her hand, a handcrafted stick doll. At the far wall of the room, they found a makeshift altar dedicated to Aiden, decorated and peppered with illustrations of the boy and longhand letters for him, all made by Olivia. Plastered on the front of the altar were sheets of colored paper that had Sanskrit and Tibetan characters that said, to build or construct. One of these letters that Olivia wrote for Aiden was dated on the same day and year, the 27th of February, 1994, and it read, My Aiden, I'm sorry, I'm so sorry. I would have never let it get like this. I'm leaving. I will not let you keep me, you vile, evil creature. Mummy's coming for you, Aiden, my sweet Aiden. Mummy loves you. Lead investigator, Sergeant Terry Goldshire, came to the conclusion that Olivia chose to waste away her years as she obsessed over her deceased son. He also commented that her cutting herself off from everyone probably greatly affected her mental health. He also believed that because of her isolation and negligence, she became the devil's prey. The first officer at the scene also shared that she felt a strong, angry presence looming over her. Officer Francesca Santiago also added that she believed Olivia wasn't alone in that house all those years. He also said that the letters they found, particularly the one dated on the day the house was searched, was very odd even though it was later concluded that Olivia post-dated these letters for Aiden. Because the authorities didn't have much else to go on at the time, the case of Olivia's mysterious death was eventually closed. Later on, locals entertained the idea that Olivia must have attempted to create an entity that resembled her son. Something supernatural, like a tulpa, which, in Tibetan Buddhism, is illustrated as an entity that is autonomous and is believed to have been birthed from mental or spiritual powers. In context, the term can also be defined in English as a thought form. 
Somehow it's believed that the Tulpa of Aden most likely caused the death of Olivia. Although, this was just speculation based on the text on the altar. About 11 years after the incident, a desperate property owner sought the help of a paranormal investigator from Austin to pay the house a visit. Drew Navarro later shared the same observation Officer Santiago relayed earlier. He shared that the property seemed to have housed an unknown force so strong and imposing that he experienced difficulties not only with his breathing, but also with how to deal with the force. In 2016, 22 years after the fact, the case was then revisited by the film company Elf Tree Media for their Kickstarter project film entitled Thoughtform which was said to have been inspired by the case. Because of this, people all over the interwebs have now started to question the validity of the story, whether the case actually happened or if it's a hoax fabricated to market that film. Despite this viral marketing strategy, though, the Kickstarter program didn't meet its target of $10,000 in funding. While the film may not be released commercially anytime soon, the disturbing case of Olivia Mabel's death will not only remain a mystery, but now its authenticity has also been shrouded in doubt. Number 2. Twins Murdered in a Past Life Reincarnation has always been an intriguing topic. There are experts who have been collecting information about people who seem to somehow recall their past lives. In this case, involves a curious one about a pair of twins who claimed to have lived in the past and presented receipts to back up that claim. Ram and Shesh Narang Diwadiamu, nicknamed Ramu and Raju, were born in August of 1964 in a small village called Sham Nagara, located in the northern part of the state of Uttar Pradesh in India. Their village only had a population of about 100 people. When they were three years old, the twins left their home in an attempt to go home. They told their family that they wanted to go to a village 10 miles away called Unchalapur because according to the boys, they used to live there. Ramu and Raju shared with their bewildered family that they used to actually be called Bimsim and Bissam Tripathi, twins in their late 20s who owned a farm along with their older brother named Chandra. The young twins told them that in the other life, they were invited to visit the home of an older man named Jagannath. These men had a quarrel regarding the land prior to this, so Jagannath invited them to make peace and the brothers went in good faith. However, after they were offered milk, a mob of men started attacking them, and they were bound, murdered, and their bodies disposed of in a well. Ramu and Raju were also able to identify two of their murderers back then, called Raja Ram and Hori Lal. The family soon learned that the boys' claims were actually true. It detailed the double murder that happened in that town four months before those boys were born. Apparently, a bottle of acid was thrown at the twins' faces. And then they were pinned to the ground with poles that crossed their legs and torsos, then strangled using a wooden post taken from a bed. Their bodies were discovered days after the murders took place. These odd claims reached the Tripathi family, who then visited the young boys. 
Ramu and Raju were reportedly emotional upon seeing them, as well as when they saw the sons of the deceased twins. And this strange case also caught the curiosity of the killers, and so they ended up visiting the twins as well. Unsurprisingly, the twins recognized and identified them. This information was documented by University of Virginia psychiatry professor Dr. Ian Stevenson. He visited the twins in 1973, two years after he initially learned about the twins' case. And during that time, the twins were already nine years old. Dr. Stevenson also learned that the Diwa Diamu twins had birthmarks that seemed to perfectly match the pole marks the Trapathis twins got when they were attacked. He also made note that the family of Ramu and Raju weren't actually interested in sharing the case with the public. Apparently, their father only allowed the twins to talk about these details to Dr. Stevenson and nobody else. For years, the doctor researched different cases similar to this and collected about 3,000 reincarnation types, despite skeptics continuously calling out his subjects as frauds. For now, there are those who believe in reincarnation and support research made by people like Dr. Stevenson, while there are also those who remain skeptical and in much doubt. However, while there are still people like the Diwadimu twins and others who claim to remember their past lives, we'll always be reminded that there is still so much more we don't know about this world and just exactly how it works. So there were two of the most unsettling paranormal news stories for you guys today. If you like this episode, please check out some more. You can always go check out our YouTube channel called Scary Mysteries or follow us on social media in the links below for content you won't find anywhere else. Thanks for tuning in. I'll see you in the next one.